Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. We, as the Well Community Church, exist to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. This is our mission statement as a church, and it's not simply wishful thinking, it's a fact. We intentionally chose this wording because it's not something that we're just hoping for, but that it's something that we believe will happen when Jesus is made known and when people encounter the risen Jesus, that their lives will be transformed. I fully believe it. Have you ever watched a movie before and, and you've been inspired to action? You've kind of been motivated to, to do better? I know Pay It Forward was a, one that motivated me. Okay, let's pay it forward now. And um, actually, funnily enough, I, um, with, I remember seeing Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. And, and I love the battle scene at the end. And he had a scar across his forehead and my friend and I thought it was so cool so we were about I don't know eight nine ten and we drew with markers a scar on our heads and we went out grocery shopping with my mom and I thought yeah everyone thinks that I'm a warrior that I've been in battle but meanwhile they're just thinking like kid you have marker on your head um, but th that th movies do that sometimes they, they inspire us and they make us feel better and they they kind of motivate us toward doing better but it doesn't always turn into anything. Sometimes it can be the most inspirational thing you've ever seen, and it does something to your heart, does something to your mind, but it oftentimes doesn't go much further than that. And why is that? And let's be honest, I'm not just talking about movies here. I'm talking about church services too. We gather together, we listen to an inspiring message, hopefully, uh, and then we, we leave for the weekend. Everything kind of just falls flat, goes back to normal and the way things uh, have always been. And I believe it's because there's a difference between being inspired and being transformed. We touched on this a couple of weeks ago in our current series, Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed, when we talked about Simon the Sorcerer, the magician. He had been amazing people with his tricks. He had been getting them to eat out of the palm of his hands. But then Philip comes into town with the good news of Jesus, and people weren't just being amazed and inspired like they had been with Simon. They were being transformed. People were being healed. People were being set free. People and relationships were being restored. And they kind of leave Simon in the dust because they're experiencing transformation. And all of this to say is, I don't want to merely inspire you tonight. I want to invite you to encounter Jesus so that you will be transformed. See, it's not about me. It's not about how eloquent my words are, which I, I have trouble believing that they are. Uh, it's about me helping you encounter the person of Jesus. So whatever it is you're carrying, whatever it is you're facing or you're struggling with, it's so that you won't be white knuckling it and trying to do better on your own and trying to be a better person and strive to do more, but that you'll simply surrender it and be transformed by the amazing love of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles with me, turn um, to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be looking at a pretty remarkable story of a transformational encounter with Jesus.
We've been introduced to this character named Saul uh, for a couple chapters now, and he's out to get Jesus followers. He is on the prowl. And if you need a Bible, check out um, for a digital one, bible.com slash app, and that will download it for your specific device. If you want a physical copy, let me know, DM me, email me, call me, whatever. I would love to drop one off if you're in the local Binbrook area. And I know I've said this before, but the reason I'm a strong believer in getting you to open your Bible with me, even though you're like, you put it on the screen for me. But by opening your Bible, it just gets you in the habit of opening it together now to learn where things are, learn how to read it, learn how to mark it up so that you can continue to do so throughout the remainder of the week. Uh, I'm also excited for our upcoming mini-series, like I mentioned in the announcements. What is the Bible more than a book? Because Dom, the pastor at a church planter in Montreal, does an incredible job of helping us lean in and, and explore how it helps us and points us to these transformational encounters with Jesus. Um, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 9, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 19. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. What I love about this story is that there's actually two stories within this one story. There's two vision, two visions within one vision. It's kind of like Inception. Uh, but the beauty of it is that it's 
It's not this cookie cutter experience where this one size fits all type thing where this is how God's going to transform you. No, it, it allows God to work in each of our lives according to who we are, who he's created us to be and where we're at. So even though there are two separate stories and two separate men involved, Saul and Ananias, their stories come together in this one story as they both encounter Jesus in similar ways, but within their own context and for different purposes. But what these stories show us is that encountering Jesus will always leave you transformed. I don't believe that you can have a genuine encounter with Jesus and not be transformed. So we have to ask, how do we experience and encounter this kind of transformation? How do we encounter Jesus? And I believe that this text shows us that and should awaken us to a few realities that we need to pay attention to. The first reality is that Jesus pursues you. It's interesting to note in this story when, when this light suddenly shines down and Saul falls to the ground and he asks, who are you? Did you happen to catch the reply? It says, I am Jesus. And this is big because let's remember that Saul is persecuting Jesus followers, people of the way, and he's doing that out of his sense of duty or obligation to God. So if it was just Yahweh or God, then it might not have the same impact for Saul. But when he says, who are you? And he says, Jesus, this is huge. So it's not simply the fact that he had an encounter with God in a general sense, but more specifically, he encountered the risen Jesus, the guy who they had killed. And this is what eventually makes Saul an apostle, is witnessing the risen Jesus after his resurrection. But what's also interesting is that Saul thought he was going after followers of the way, but Jesus clearly states here that you're persecuting me. Therefore, what Jesus is doing is he's identifying us with himself. As followers of Jesus, we receive this new identity. We become one with him. And the best part is that it's this beautiful act of love and grace. And the fact that Jesus doesn't just say, okay, now you're one with me. But he goes further. He pursues you. He pursues us. No matter who you are or what you've done or what you're doing, he is pursuing you. He desires and longs for a relationship with you. And what I love is that Saul is on a mission to destroy this Jesus movement, the followers of the way. But Jesus is in his infinite wisdom, in his love and in his grace says, no, 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 no. That's not what's going to happen. I want to take that energy. I want to take that zeal and that passion that you have. And I want to use it for my glory. Don't you just love that? Because sometimes we always say, oh man, but if you only knew what I've done, this guy was out after Jesus followers and Jesus says, no, 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 I'm going to turn this around and I'm going to use that energy that you have for my glory. And he does this through disruption. Like we see in this story, Jesus often works through disruption. With Saul, it's this literal blindness for three days. 
and he suddenly can't see anything, and he needed to be led by hand the rest of the way to Damascus. And for Ananias, he was already a Jesus follower, it, and he had this vision, this vision that kind of disrupted his normal routine. He was just going about doing his thing when he received this vision and heard Jesus speaking. And I don't know about you, but for me, the times when I've encountered Jesus most powerfully have been when I've been at the end of my rope, when I feel like I'm in over my head, when I'm barely keeping my head above water, when it feels like I've hit this dead end and I'm between a rock and a hard place. And it's often in these times I encounter Jesus because I have no choice but to look beyond myself. Like I've been trying to do it on my own for so long and then finally I'm like, I give up, I can't do it. And suddenly, I encounter Jesus because I'm open to it. I'm paying attention. I'm looking for help beyond myself. And it's in those moments I discover that Jesus has been pursuing me all along. You may have seen this quote by Leslie Dwight floating around social media lately, but there's something so comforting about it in, in light of all that's been going on in 2020 so far. And she writes this. What if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 is the year we've been waiting for? A year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw that it finally forces us to grow. A year that screams so loud, finally awakening us from our ignorant slumber. A year we finally accept the need for change, declare change, work for change, become the change. A year we finally band together instead of pushing each other further apart. 2020 isn't canceled, but rather the most important year of them all. How is Jesus pursuing us in the midst of this season? How is Jesus pursuing you? Have you paid attention? Have you thought about it in this way? Have you allowed yourself to wake up and pay attention to what might be happening around you or perhaps even right in front of you? When you realize how pursued you are, how loved you are, this in and of itself is transformational because you begin living out of this love. You're no longer living for it. You have it. You, you realize that it's been yours all along, that it's been pursuing you, and you then begin to learn to live out of how loved you are. And what's more is that Jesus doesn't simply pursue you and then move on to the next. Like, okay, we got you, moving on. No, Jesus pursues you with an invitation. And he invites you to participate with him. Because the reality is that Jesus has a plan for you. So many people are wandering this earth looking for the next high. Looking for what might fulfill them. Looking for ultimate success. But... Let's face it, no matter how high we get, no matter how much stuff we have and accumulate, no matter how successful we become, if we're not living out of who we are created to be, individually and uniquely with all of our quirks and differences, we're missing out on what Jesus describes as Zoe, which is life, life abundantly, life to the Full. And that's what Jesus says he's, he's come. I've come to bring life. I've come to give life so that you can experience life. You are a child of God. Jesus has a plan for you. 
In verse 15, Jesus tells Ananias, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Jesus has a plan for Saul. Now, if you were to ask Saul at this point in the story what's happening, I don't think he'd be able to articulate, oh, this is God's plan for me, and this is what he's about to do, and he's about to use me to, to spread the good news of Jesus throughout the world. No, the guy's still blind right now, being led to Damascus, which I find comforting because I often don't know what God's up to in the midst of these dark and difficult seasons. But Jesus has a plan, and that's what comforts me, it's what assures me, that's what gives me hope. And let's not miss the fact that God also has a plan for Ananias. So this larger story at work here is we're, we're kind of following this trajectory of Saul, who's about to become Paul in a few chapters. But there's also this plan in, in place for Ananias. You see, this is where we have this mini inception happening, a vision within a vision. You have this larger story and vision of Saul being transformed and moving from disciple killer to an actual disciple. But Jesus is also using the plan that he has for Ananias to bring this to completion. Ananias has a huge role to play, even though this is all the screen time he gets. We need all of the parts working together. We need one another. And this is why our relationship with Jesus, it's not just this me and Jesus thing. It's not just this individual endeavor. It's also a communal practice. It's something that, that we, we come together to discern and to pray and to support one another and spur each other on. You see, Jesus' vision is for Saul to essentially take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And we'll go into this in more detail in future weeks, but to a first century Jew, Rome was considered the ends of the earth. And this is interesting, right? Because if you've been tracking with us from the beginning, Jesus tells the disciples right after his resurrection and at the beginning of the book of Acts that they will take the good news to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, which we've kind of been in the last couple of weeks, and then to the ends of the earth. And now we have Saul. And we're being told that the plan that Jesus has for Saul is to take the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. He is going to spread the gospel message. But you know what? Jesus isn't done just yet. If he was, he'd be back. No, Jesus is continuing to pursue us. He's continuing to pursue you, and he invites you to participate in bringing his kingdom and his rule here on earth and to continue to take it literally to the ends of the earth, which is why I love that we're part of a denomination that cares so much and so well for what's happening around the world. Our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, sends people to live on mission as international workers among the least reached people groups around the world. Why? To make Jesus known, to spread the good news of Jesus. And here at the well, we get to play a small role in that. We get to support them when we give to the Global Advance Fund. But Jesus also has a plan for you, and it's going to look different for each of us. It looks different for everyone. No two plans are alike. Jesus might want you to play a similar role to that of Saul, or he may be asking you to participate in a similar role to that of Ananias. But essentially, he has a vision and a plan for you, which he himself will reveal to you. 
but are you paying attention to this reality? I think that's what's at stake here. Are we paying attention? Because God does have a plan, but so many of us walk around saying, what on earth am I here for? Have we paid attention to Jesus? But here's another thing you have to remember. It's not about you. It's about Jesus in you. It's about Jesus working through you. Just like it's not about Saul, but it's about Jesus in Saul and working through him. It's not about Ananias. It's about Jesus in Ananias and the plan that Jesus has for him. It's not to bring Saul and Ananias glory. It's to bring God glory. And if we go back to the very beginning, when God made a covenant with Abraham, we see that God didn't promise an easy life. He didn't, he didn't promise health and wealth. No, God promises to bless the world through his people. That's through you and I. Jesus' plan for you is to bless the world through you. How amazing is that? To move from this, what on earth am I here for? To I get to, to bring God's glory and bless the world through me. That's pretty remarkable. Your job is to pay attention and to recognize that Jesus does have a plan for you and then to be faithful. Where has Jesus been calling you to be faithful? Because here's the third reality. Jesus will provide for you. This is the reality where the rubber hits the road. Uh, if we recognize and we're paying attention to Jesus' pursuit of us, if we believe that he has a plan for us, then this is the reality that really makes us ask, do I trust it? Do I really trust that Jesus is pursuing me? Do I really trust that Jesus has a plan for me? And if so, do I fully trust that Jesus is going to provide? It can be scary. For Saul, he was originally told to get up and go into the city and you'll be told what to do. And let's be honest, he didn't have too much of a choice because at this point he's blind. He's just, he's just being led into the city. And I'm sure there's fear within that. But then for Ananias, he's told to go over to the house and to ask for Saul from Tarsus. And immediately Ananias knew, this is the guy who's out to get us. This is the guy who killed Stephen. I know the story. I've heard about it. So he responds, but Lord, and how true is that? Like, I love this story because how often is that our first reaction? Like God says, okay, I want you to do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, come on. This is a little crazy, right? And Ananias is kind of saying, like, you're wanting me, a disciple, to go knock on, the house, knock on the door of this house where there's a disciple killer? I don't know if, if that makes much sense. But God tells him, go. So Ananias went and he found Saul. And this act of going was Ananias putting his trust in Jesus. It's this demonstrable step where he's saying, like, he's saying, okay. I believe that Jesus has this plan for me and that he will provide for me. This was an act of believing that Jesus provides. He didn't have all the answers, but he believed that Jesus would provide for him. Do you trust that Jesus will provide for you? Do you believe that he knows best? I have to share this story. Several years ago, I was part of this outdoor club at Trinity Western University, and we went whitewater kayaking, and it was probably around March, so the snow that was coming down from the mountains was freezing cold. 
And I remember getting to this one point where the river narrowed and we had to go down this type of chute. And at the bottom was this huge rock. So you kind of had like waterfall chute that we'd go down and just rock. And then the river kind of shot out to the right. So the instructor pulled us aside at the top and he's giving us instructions to teach us how to navigate it so we wouldn't flip. This is an experienced instructor and guide. He's done this time and time again. So we all kind of go along with it. And here's his explanation. He says, when you go down the chute, you're going to want to lean with your shoulder into the rock because you want to hit the rock with your shoulder. So then the water will go under your kayak and pop you out into the river. He said, but if you don't lean into the rock with your shoulder and you kind of turn away from it, what happens is you flip your kayak and rather than the water getting underneath and pushing you out, it kind of overwhelms the kayak and it will have you flip upside down. So it sounded easy enough, okay? Go down the chute, hit with my shoulder. So I paddled over to the top and I started flying down the chute and I just see this rock getting bigger and bigger and bigger and getting closer and closer and I'm thinking, this guy's nuts. There's no way I'm leaning into this rock with my shoulder. And I thought, I am going to show him. I'm going to be the anomaly. I'm going to be the one person who makes it. So I lean away from the rock like, yeah, right. And as soon as I did, I felt the water come over the edge of my kayak, flip right upside down. So now I'm going down the river upside down in freezing cold water. And I share all of this with you because I believe this is how we often treat God. He tells us how to have life and life to the fullest. He shows us the way that we can follow so that we can live in peace and harmony. He knows what's best for us and what's not. But just like me and this rock that's, that's coming at you, I, I feel like we start seeing our circumstances and life coming at us and we think, yeah, right. God's not in control. I need to be in control. I, I need to do this on my own. I need to take back the reins. I know what's best for me. But time and time again, we get flipped over. and We sent down in the whitewash. And then we're, we're wondering, why wasn't God there for me? And he's saying, I am. But you have to trust me. Jesus will provide for you. But do you trust him? That's the answer that only you can, can give. I love when Ananias finally gets to Saul. He lays his hands on him and he says, Brother Saul, brother. Suddenly Saul becomes part of the family. He moved from disciple killer to disciple. He becomes one of them and his vision is restored. And what does he do? He gets up and he gets baptized. Here's this guy who is out to get them and he gets baptized baptized. Talk about transformation. This is the transformation that we will experience when we encounter Jesus, when we meet him face to face and, and we recognize the living, risen Jesus is before us and with us and pursuing us and loves us. I don't believe that you can have a genuine encounter with Jesus and not be transformed. And this is why we exist. This is why we are the Well Community Church located here in Bidbrook, Ontario. It's to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. It's not to make me known. It's not to make any one of us known. Or it's to make Jesus known. I, my heart is for people 
to have an encounter with Jesus so that lives, marriages, families will be transformed for God's glory. But you know what? It starts with us. It starts with me. It begins with me. It begins with you. And it begins with us paying attention to Jesus pursuing us. It begins with us paying attention to the plan that he has for each of us. And ultimately, it requires us putting our trust in the fact that Jesus will provide for us. Do you believe it? Let me ask you this. How has Jesus been trying to get your attention? It's not a matter so much of has he been. How has Jesus been trying to get your attention? Are you willing to surrender your plans in exchange for the plan that Jesus has for you? That's a tough one. It's not easy. But it will offer you your best life ever. And then last, is there an area of your life that you just need to trust Jesus? You just need to trust that he will provide for you. You kind of, you're sensing this plan. Jesus might be asking you to go over here and you're like, I don't know. I get it. I ran away for four years once I knew that God had a plan for me. But ever since following, man, has he provided. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this community that you have formed, that you've called together, that's known as the Well Community Church. God, our desire is to make known the name and the transformative power of your son, Jesus, so that lives and communities will be transformed for your glory. But God, I also know that it starts with us. It starts with me. So God, give me and give us the strength to respond to your leading. Thank you for pursuing us with your love, for inviting us to participate in your plan of blessing the world through us and for providing for us every step of the way. If there's an area of your life right now that you need to quietly surrender and just give to God, take a moment to do this right now. God, we ask all of this in the loving and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for spending some time together with us online together. Uh, continue joining with us Saturdays at five next week. Like I had mentioned, we're going to be hearing from Dr. Dom Russo, the church planter over at the 180 in Montreal. And he's going to share with us about the Bible and that it's more than a book. Um, so continue to join with us. If you happen to miss out live, you can always find us on Facebook, YouTube, our website, or even on your favorite podcast app. And if you know someone who wants more information, or if you do about following Jesus, what that looks like, how to get more involved, or even baptism, reach out to me, uh, Kevin at thewellbinbrook.com. I'd be thrilled to just connect with you, talk with you, pray with you, whatever you need. Let's continue to go out and make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. Have a great rest of your weekend, and may the grace and peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.